0: and thank you for joining us for episode five on season two of the destiny creators podcast series i um, hope you're all doing well and i'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this episode with you as i was joined by someone who i'm really grateful to have met um last year and who in the last 12 months um as a result of engaging with her network and the phenomenal um women who are part of her network i've i've really been able to live my truth as a child survivor of domestic abuse um, her name is mina kamari and she is the founder of hope training and consultancy offering high quality training and consultancy in domestic abuse and sexual violence and safeguarding she has a great passion and commitment towards campaigning raising awareness and working with professionals to ensure that domestic abuse sexual violence and safeguarding are always at the forefront she also is a champion for sisterhood Um, she is a true example of you know how we as women should support and elevate one another Um, She also set up the National Hope Cause looking at domestic abuse within Black and minority ethnic communities in 2020 during COVID-19. And she's also the creator of Hope Digital Art Project, which also launched in 2020. The art project that raises awareness of and celebrates Black, Asian and minority ethnic women working, advocating, and campaigning within the domestic abuse and sexual violence sector um mina to the destiny creators podcast i'm really looking forward to our chat today thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me (laughs) you're welcome um how's your day been
1: uh, my day has been very busy. It's my last day, I think, of work day. I keep telling myself, until I break up for Christmas. So I'm really excited to be doing this as kind of the last part of what I do for 2020.
0: Oh, I feel quite privileged. <laughs> <laughs> With all the stuff that you do, you literally, um, yeah, you're literally like Iron Woman. <laughs> That's <laughs> how I see you. You're just so busy all the time um I see all the work that you're doing on Twitter and stuff um so yeah so I'm really really humbled that you're able to give me your time today and to have a chat um so yeah so basically I think for me it's really important um for me to kind of get across um the message that you are trying to create um, through your platform um, and through the work that you do. Um, so, if you would like to just introduce yourself um, and, and what you do, um, what you stand for, and how this contributed to the work that you do. Yeah, sure. So,
1: obviously, my name is Mina Kamari. I am the curator of the Hope Digital Art Project where we showcase black and brown women who work within the Vogue sector or have some sort of connection to domestic abuse, you know, sexual violence or safeguarding, either as kind of frontline practitioners, activists, academics, volunteers or even survivors. I also chair the National Hope meetings and they started in April of this year. And that was really to look at issues that are impacting black and minoritised communities during lockdown in connection with domestic abuse, sexual violence and obviously safeguarding issues. Um, And then when I'm not doing any of those kind of special projects, I am a full time trainer and consultant and I've been delivering training and consultancies for a number of years now. It's something I'm really passionate about teaching and working with others. uh, And I specialize in obviously, you know, teaching around domestic abuse issues and I work as an associate for a number of charities that I'm really passionate about as well.
0: Awesome, um, and I must say that's how I kind of connected with you as well um, through your um, your calls that you started during COVID, which are just such a great space um to to come to to learn um and to also connect um with others who are in the sector um so well done you um for doing it um, for starting it um and one thing I wanted to find out is what kind of started your journey in the sector like what what got you into it because you've been doing it for a while uh, yeah so I came out of uni uh, university in
1: 2005 I actually fell into the sector by accident I was working for an agency it was a you know a charity that was actually helping people get back into work so when I graduated um, I, I graduated from Aston University in BSc honours in psychology and sociology um, and was really lucky to find work as soon as I kind of relocated back to Leicester kind of Six weeks to eight weeks into the role, I realised actually it wasn't me. I felt that we were putting pressurised. We were pressurising people from communities to kind of seek work the wrong way. And I'm talking about a number of years ago. Um, and I also met a number of domestic abuse survivors through my work. Um, I realised how hard it was for them to even, you know, find work, but actually do work whilst living with perpetrators. Um, and a job came up locally to work for a domestic abuse charity as a helpline coordinator. I put my application in and I never left the sector.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. I don't have to do like your studies, but that's amazing. And and I think it's really um, great to know that and and a great example to others actually that are coming out of university not to kind of put pressure on themselves to live up to those expectations that you must just go and get a job in that area that you've gone and studied because you know you wouldn't be the first I'm not the first to come out of uni and not be working in the industry that I went and studied and spent you know a lot of money on
1: yeah, um, at no, university
0: yeah I mean my
1: my placement year at university was in the Netherlands. I worked for Mattel, which is a toy company, and I was mm-hmm. a car assistant. So actually, it was nothing to do with working with domestic abuse survivors or perpetrators or working in this space. But during my four years at universities, I also did very short kind of placements with people that I knew. And one of the placements I did was at Gartry Prison. Um, and I was able to spend some time there during the summer period working within the drugs and alcohol unit that worked with the offenders inside. And that was a real eye opener of how the prison service worked. And so actually knowing what I knew about kind of some of that work that I was doing kind of in my early 20s and when I was at university really helped me feel which part of the sector I did want to go into. I knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't know which angle to take that down. And I I actually applied for a number of graduate positions. I remember applying to the prison service to become, you know, a graduate um, on one of their schemes. And the end result would be you would be a governor of a prison. Um, Obviously, I didn't get in. um, I didn't get through. I didn't pass the selection rate to get through to that process. But it's just interesting, the the avenue that I've gone down. And I would say to any students actually out there thinking about degrees, um, just think about how open the job market is. Just think about how flexible you can be with that degree and the angle that you can actually go into. And you learn a lot on the job. You know, my um A lot of my theory, if I think about some of the academics I followed when I was at university, when I was doing psychology and sociology, was great. But some of the academics I then found when I was working in practice is very different. So I think your working practice is very different to your university experience.
0: Mm. Totally. Um, and I'm glad you've highlighted that actually, because I had a discussion today with um a lovely lady who's a, a, a recruit she has a recruitment um service called Recruit. Um, and she's going to be working with um some of our ladies in the new year on the program. And it's it's interesting because we were actually talking today about how, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to actually come out of uni and actually or, or or even college and go and do like an apprenticeship or an internship to get that practical kind of experience to help you develop further where you'd like to to be um because I think often What happens is, you know, that traditional route of you go to school, you finish your GCSEs, you do your A levels um, and then you go off to uni and then you're expected to everyone know what they want to be, um, which doesn't always happen that way. And then you find out you've not got much experience, whereas I think what you've done which is really great is that which is a good example to students is you've gone and got yourself the experience whilst you were studying to give you that understanding and actually I must hold my hands up and say I didn't do that I was that one who just went and studied do you know what I mean yeah um and just thought yeah at the end of it I know that I'm gonna fall right into um, the career that I wanted to do and it's actually only now that I'm really coming into understanding what my purpose is um, and stuff so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about HOPE, HOPE Training, what does it stand for? What What's the... Hope mean so. Hope stands for helping
1: other people every day, and I literally came up with it while I was sat in um, my living room. Um, in wow. 2008. I remember I wasn't very happy in a role that I was doing, and I wanted to do something different, and I wanted a new pathway. And over the years of working, so remember, I only started working in the sector in 2005. I felt really inexperienced in some of the cases that I was given, in particular immigration cases. I didn't feel as experienced or as qualified. I didn't have the confidence to ask the questions or to challenge statutory services. Um, and over the years, I had to build up my confidence. I had to go away and read. I really looked up to, you know, the services that have been around for years. So kind of Southall Black Sisters was one of the first services I really navigated towards back in the day. Um, And I thought, well, look at all the things that I'm picking up. Wouldn't it be great to share this, but also learn at the same time? So I remember um just thinking, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna develop some training and I'm gonna see if I can sell it as a package and set up my own company. Um, And that's exactly what I did. I just sat in my living room, I wrote a business plan. I contacted a few services in Leicester that supports you know new startups and this was in 2008 I won a grant to do um, a forced marriage conference I was really lucky because I had a really good friend called Sajal Moda who was supporting me and a, a colleague called Pete Williams who's now a very good friend and he was um, an inspector at the police and you know we went away and we just thought actually let's get together and let's put this conference together and then I just didn't I didn't stop from there I never really looked back um I had a lot of you know a lot of no's along the way but I never stopped Mm. and I think that's the main thing is um just not stopping Mm.
0: I love that and I love um I love the name of it I think that's one of the things that drew me to um want to to attend um one of your meetings is that um hope is definitely something that we're all um kind of at one point in our life um wanting to have can you hear a bit of feedback or oh, just bear with me it might be because i've just picked my
1: phone up to put my charger back in is that better i've just put it down
0: yes yeah. sorry oh is that better yes okay sorry yes that's okay um so what was i saying um yeah hope so the name hope um itself but what i love about why you've called yours hope is the way that you've broken the letters down because they are even more meaningful um and yeah I just I just love the name of it um and I think that it definitely has brought a lot of hope to not just um like myself being kind of fairly new in the sector but also to a lot of kind of um organisations that have been around for a really long time you know because it's enabled them to have that open dialogue um at your sessions which have been having amongst themselves but having it all together i think that's the great thing about um one of the other great things about your course is that it's an open open floor for everybody um, and there's never no judgment um so well done to you for doing it and and um one thing I wanted to find out from you is what has the highlight been so far I think for me the biggest highlight is
1: um the number so I've got a few sorry I'm not going to stick to one um the number of people that I've met in the sector but also outside the sector and I have to Mm -hmm. say that because I think pre-lockdown we were we were almost in our own bubbles which is a lot of you know there's a lot of irony there with Covid and bubbles Um, but I just it made me it made me realise actually we were so almost set in our own way with the sector. So if you were kind of London, you were London-centric. You know, if you were Midlands, it's kind of you knew who were in the Midlands if you were up north. And I think what it enabled me to do in the Hope Calls was really bring loads of people from all over England and Wales and now Scotland. I've, I've got people from Scotland coming on in the new year um, and hopefully Northern Ireland as well, to have that dialogue and conversation. And I think the other highlight has been just the uptake and the respect people show each other on the call. And that's so important Mm. to me, the respect that white members that come on the call show, black members show, brown members show, you know, dual heritage, everyone that comes on the call, men, women, you know, regardless of their sexuality and all their kind of background, they're just there to listen and learn. Um, and have that conversation and have that dialogue I'm not saying they are like walking sheep I'm not saying they just go with everything that is said on there but the respect that is shown is 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 makes me happy actually
0: yeah and I totally agree with you totally agree with you that there is definitely the that feeling of everybody's valued and I think that's where the respect comes from is that it's a space that makes everyone feel like they're welcome like they're part of part of it you know um and and that's down to obviously the environment that you know you've you've created um that space um in that way um so no I really value I value your calls um and in terms of like the space itself why do you think that it's really important for us moving forward one as a a a black and um black and brown community um to have spaces that bring practitioners and service and services and survivors um together I mean I why is it so important I
1: mean the space for black and brown communities or black and minoritized communities, or you know whichever language you know you want to use to describe it at the moment, and I know there's a lot of dialogue around language as well. I mean that space is so important, whether it's a single space and whether it's you know that space is just for um that group or whether it's a space where the group can come on and feel comfortable to express how they feel, but you will have other others around who are kind of listening in, which I feel like is what the hope call um, is about a little bit. But also it's really important that even within the black and minoritized community, we are learning from each other. So what I've learned from black women in the past nine months has been eye-opening. And I hope what I've also been able to contribute when I speak to black women or other brown women, I've been able to contribute something. And I think it's that notion of let's not be afraid to say to each other that we're still learning and that we want to learn. We want to Mm. collaborate. We want to work. We don't know it all. Exactly. And and I think that's that's what's Mm. really important about when we talk about spaces. And we talk, you know, we heard a lot during lockdown about brave spaces, you know, safe spaces. Um, But for me, it was also about um, learning Learning spaces.
0: Mm, and we definitely do need learning spaces so that we can make some changes. Um, you know, um we can't continue in the way that we have been as a as a world um with all of these problems um happening to our women and our girls um and um yeah so i think that's a really really important point that you've highlighted there that learning is part of the process and it's really important for us to continue to learn because even though we might feel like we're getting it right now uh, maybe next year something else might be introduced you know, through further learning and development that actually will improve the situations even more. Um so yeah, I totally um I totally um agree with that. And um when you when you like sit and you plan like your your calls, like how do you decide on like your topics? Because every Call is themed around a specific type of abuse. So, how do you kind of decide which one is going to be next? Um, I don't.
1: (laughs) It kind of just comes very naturally. So, the way that I work, um, so some people know this about me, some people don't. So, I'm dyslexic and I'm a proud dyslexic. And I only really started using that language this year because of an experience that I had with an employer which really made me open my eyes about my own dyslexia and about the way that I work. So it's um, it's really interesting because I think about some of the work that I've been doing and how I come up with the themes, and I tend to follow. So it's been really interesting this year. We've had a lot of different themes during COVID, but I tend to follow kind of what is going on in the sector. So being astute and really following what the sector is doing is really important to me because I think also I think sometimes You know, unless you're really in the hub of the sector or you're in the heart of changing policy or knowing what's going on, sometimes you can almost be left out. So for me, it's almost about bringing the themes to the people as well and not just assuming that everyone will know what's going on. So it's about following what's going on in the sector. But also because the HOPE national calls are following on from the previous calls, someone may say something in a previous call which just you know for me it just makes me think and I think oh yeah that's great maybe that's something that I can put on to you know a next call and and that's what I do I literally just kind of just think about what has what has happened what are some of the things that we're um, picking up and then just really projecting
0: that in the calls. Oh cool so it's almost like a journalistic approach. Yeah, it? I never really thought of it. If you yeah, think about it. I
1: didn't it. really think of it as a, as a journalistic approach. But yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really trying to understand what's going on and then just thinking about, you know, how can I get people to talk about this but get a wider perspective on it?
0: Yeah, defo. Have you ever considered doing journalism? When I was a
1: teenager, do you remember those magazines that you could get, and it would say like, "What would you want to do when you're older?" And you'd have to fill out like a load of questions. Yes. And then it'd give you an yes. overview. And what always came up for me was journalism or going into law, and they were the two things that wow. came up for me. Um, and I didn't do either. I mean, apart from being, you know, a, a very short spell, I was a magistrate for a year. I didn't really go into law and I've never really gone into journalism.
0: Oh, wow. Well, what you're doing is definitely, I would say... um very journalistic um in your approach so maybe that's like a little side hustle <laughs> that you can consider there Mina oh god I don't think I
1: could take on <laughs> any more projects at the moment but just for you Annie I will think about journalism <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that I love to think that <laughs> I'm a, a new lady uh, you never know you never know <laughs> it's really yeah. great You'd be great. You'd be great. Um and I'm glad you mentioned about dyslexia, because I'm also a dyslexic yeah. as well, and dyspraxic. Um and it's something which I only really realised in my when I went to uni. Um so I went through the whole of like my school education, got my GCSEs and everything, um, and uh was diagnosed at uni. But I'm really glad um because now I don't know about you, but it kind of does it make sense now why you kind of interpret things in certain ways and how you process things? Oh yeah. I mean the way that my mind I mean that's why the digital
1: art project has been right up my street because it's creative, it's visual. And if you look at a lot of um, you know, the work that I do, um I prefer visual visual stuff because that's what works for me. Mm. Um but it, it's unfortunately, it's not always been like that. And I think this is where a lot of companies in particular, so that all those companies listening to this, that I would really, really want to just just indicate that a talent is everywhere. And don't lose good brown and black talent just because they don't hit your narrative. You know, everyone's got a different way of doing things. Um, and it's just something that people just need to be aware of.
0: Exactly. And I think as well, thank you for saying that, it's also really quite important for organisations to understand how to adapt to other people's styles of learning and operating. Um, And that's where you're seeing real inclusivity um, across um, organisations, because it's not about you know fitting everybody into one box like the education system t- tries to um but that's a conversation for another day and um, we won't go down that lane today um but i think that you're spot on um definitely you mentioned about your digital project um i'd really love for you to just share um share um about it why you started it and and what you're hoping for it um for 21
1: so the hope digital art project is is a really important project to me um not only because it was you know curated and started during lockdown but because of the women that it's also showcasing and you know the women are just they're just amazing in their own right they're just absolutely fabulous. So the project is about showcasing women with quotes black and brown women with inspirational quotes and the aim for next year is to get another 50 women so this year we have had 50 women that have been showcased in the project and next year is to get another 50 women and then hopefully by july we will have 100 women and i'm hoping by next year november 16 days of activism we will also have an exhibition and we will be able to showcase the women in print um and you know people will be able to see what the exhibition is about and yeah i'm just i'm very excited for next year i think there's just so many ideas going on in my head that it would just be amazing if i was able to pull them all off and that's what i keep thinking to myself mina what are you doing can you pull this off
0: girl you got
1: this
0: (laughs) you got this honestly you were able to start up um national um hope calls during a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) like you launched a digital project that highlighted (coughs) the work of women as you said (coughs) who are doing amazing work in the sector to support um and raise awareness of the people they're helping as well because it's not just about those women that you're highlighting it's it's giving um it's giving like insight into the needs of our community that these women are supporting. And you've got this next year. And when I'm hearing about exhibition, I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna be in an exhibition. <laughs> you will this be in an exhibition. Amazing. If
1: I can pull it off, I mean it's someone I was actually someone another inspirational lady that I met this morning, a black lady that I met this morning called Jenny, who actually said Mina, you know you need to do an exhibition. And I was like, Jenny, that's what I need to do. So how do I do it then? And I think that's what's so great about this whole sector, and meeting new people, because I don't have to come up with all the answers. You know, I can ask other
0: people. Yes. And that's the beauty of growing. I, that, you know, I, and that's one thing that I always love to say. It's great for us to ask for help. Um, it's great for us to tell people when we don't understand something. Um because there's always someone who's gonna help add a little bit of light in that area um to help us. Um so I know I love that idea. And thank you, Jenny, for suggesting it. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Jenny, definitely. Well done, Jenny. I think that's <laughs> gonna be incredible. Yeah. Um one question though, is it gonna be a London-based one? Like, how are oh, you gonna don't divide us stop. all up? Cause...
1: Listen, don't even <laughs> start. This is this is the thing, right? So the women are from all over and i'm i'm in the midlands i'm east midlands i'm in leicester i mean i'd love to just do it in my hometown to be honest um but then you know you never know london you know leicester could
0: we move it to the caribbean you don't know oh really. my god yeah. <laughs> i'm down for that I'm down the yeah. caribbean a bit of sunshine top up that melanin you know yeah <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh, you should be so proud, man. So, so proud. Like I am. Amazing. And your family must be proud too. My family are interesting because to this
1: day, um, I still get told or I get asked by them, so what do you do then for a job? Um, and I, I get it, you know, it's what you know, what we do is is not kind of I don't know if what's the norm. Is, um around you know is is what I'm doing but it's interesting when I speak to my family because they're constantly like so what what are you working on now what are you doing um and I'm constantly like oh this is what I'm doing or this is what I've just done here um so yeah it's, it's interesting but they are proud and you know my parents are really proud and I've got two older siblings, I've got th- two older sisters and um, a younger brother so it's nice to be able to share what I do with them as well
0: amazing amazing I love that um so that leads me on to uh be a little bit more nosy so um and I and this is something I ask everybody um, that comes on and has a chat with me because mental health is something that I'm, like, super passionate about, um, kind of raising awareness. And, and I just wondered, in your line of work that you do, have you ever experienced um, or been affected by mental health?
1: Definitely. I mean, yeah, I think um, just being able to look after yourself with the work that you do is really, really important. I mean I'm I'm I've been lucky I've had some really good clinical supervisors that I've either sought myself or you know my employer has referred me on to them but it's usually where I've sought them myself have my employers always looked after my mental well-being in the sense of making sure that I had that additional support I'd say no and that's me honestly speaking can employers be better the ones that I've worked for yes definitely without a doubt um and I would say to any, any practitioners listening in the sector, I mean, I work for myself now and I pay for my own clinical supervision and I may not have a caseload like I used to do, you know, back in the day. But the fact that I still listen to some really horrendous stuff on a daily basis or maybe I just want to reflect on a piece of work that I've done or how I'm feeling because we're all human. We all have good days. We all have bad days. And I think it's really important, especially with the work that we do, that we have that reflective space um, Mm. and you have your own interests or things that you do outside of work. I think that's really healthy. And also, you know, when I'm an associate for Safe Lives and I deliver IDVA training and, you know, I would be silly to to tell IDVAs in the sector that they've got to look after themselves if I can't do that myself so Mm. it's really important that I practice what I preach so I do have someone that I speak to I am really interested in looking after kind of my mind body and soul I've had alopecia in the past which you know I've publicly spoken about on Twitter and April Dawn has been amazing to speak to um, because of her own experiences with alopecia Um, and again Mm. it's not something I see a lot of brown and black women talk about so Mm. um it's interesting you know we don't really talk about the impact the work has on us
0: Mm. and why do you think that is like what's that barrier
1: I mean I wouldn't want to speak for all women I just know my own barriers was you know it's a lot of it it's was almost seen to be well I felt like I was almost seen to be this woman that was just expected to take it all and have it all and just deal with it and just get on with it And now I've I've just accepted that we are human and you need time to relax, you need time to have that time out um, and recognise that, you know, not having that space to reflect, it's not actually good for my own practice. And I've been really lucky. I started um, a PG cert at Worcestershire University and that's leading uh, culture change and safeguarding. And, you know, one of the assignments was all about That reflective space, and you know, how am I supposed to be this great safeguarding practitioner if I don't have the tools to be this great safeguarding practitioner? And having reflective supervision or clinical supervision is a tool. So, we would Mm -hmm. never ask someone who's baking bread to not, you know, not have all the ingredients. So, why do companies Mm -hmm. believe a lot of their staff don't need to have all the tools to do their job appropriately? It just doesn't sit right
0: with me yeah no you're that's you're absolutely right um and thank you for highlighting that um the essential need for us to kind of be g-checking ourselves in terms of like whether we've made sure we've got the right measures and levels that's required for us to to function in in the spaces that we need to be delivering what we deliver on a daily basis. Um, and do you think that we could be, what What more could like an employer do to in, like make this barrier less of a barrier in terms of making sure they've got the right ingredients?
1: I think it's, it's really understanding um, the notion that reflection space for action for staff in the sector is really really important so having it built in from day one it should never be an add-on you know having clinical supervision or reflective reflective supervision or you know when we went into lockdown we lost that space of just going into the staff kitchen and having a chat over coffee or tea or you know looking up from a screen because you've got your colleagues sitting opposite you And just saying, oh, "Oh, I've just got off the phone to, you know, this social worker. I've just got off the phone to my survivor. um, And this is what's happened. And and what do you think? You know, we lost that overnight. So employers have got to be really mindful that actually, depending on how long this continues, the lockdowns, working from home, that reduced space to have that dialogue with your colleagues, making sure that we're almost prepared. Um, And mental health, you know, it wasn't just the mental health of the domestic abuse survivors but you know what the hope calls taught me was the trauma that staff went through you know overnight Mm -hmm. they were asked to up their technology skills they were asked to work from home they were talking about domestic abuse in one room and their own children were in the next room yeah you know we've got to we've got to take time out to learn from that in the sector so what does that mean next time, you know, so something like this pandemic, you know, happens or something similar? What does that mean for us?
0: Mm, yeah, no, you're right. Um, and I've not quite thought about it like that in terms of like the, in terms of like the the support for, for staff, um, those are really like quite deep um, problems which definitely need some solutions um so yeah i thank you for for raising that as well um what would you um say to anyone who is interested in um kind of getting into the work that you do and trying to develop their own project what would what advice would you offer them
1: um i mean definitely first of all um you know and i'm the right one to say this because i didn't do it this way but i've learned the hard way so Get your thoughts on paper, you know, write it down somewhere. Having a plan really does work. I tend to work more now to a work plan, whether it's drawing it out or whether it's just writing it down somewhere. Um, think about, you know, what are you trying? And it's not always knowing what you want or what you're trying to achieve, but just some, some sort of like, why are you doing what you're doing? Because there's always got to be a purpose. Um, unless, if there's no purpose, people tend not to buy in. So if you're really clear about your purpose, you know, it's a lot more clearer to the sector. It's clearer to the people, or depending on what you're trying to do. And thirdly, you know, don't be afraid to ask for support from the sector. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, we don't always get it right the first time. It's about thinking about how to get it, how to do it that suits you, but also learning from anything that comes out of it. Um, and that's kind of the way that I've worked in the past nine months and and that's worked for me and we're all different but that's something I would say to anyone listening
0: oh that's beautiful advice thank you and I definitely think that um, the kind of environment that you've created is definitely very supportive in that area um, that you've just spoken and I think it's kind of really important for us to if there's anything we can take away um, from our experiences of COVID, um, and and the DV sector is the the power in supporting one another, um, and the kind of like almost sisterhood that's been created um, within the space as well, because you're definitely like our number one cheerleader <laughs> champion, <laughs> you know, um, you know, like you have no idea like how I might go a week and not be on Twitter and then I might log on and I get uh, encouraging posts that you've tagged so many amazing women in to remind us of who we are. Um, So I just wanted to just highlight that today in this podcast um, episode in that the power of yourself and the impact of yourself that you have on others is is also down to how you support one another um we're not an island as we've discussed during this school today um and we need others um and encourage one another yeah lift one another up support each other um you don't know what anyone is going through at that moment in time when you might send that encouraging text or post and the impact the positive impact it will have on their day their evening their week um, so never underestimate kindness in that way and thank you for being a great example of of that to us as um, women Mina i um, really grateful for your encouragement and support and I would say on our kind of final point, I always love to ask the ladies if you could write to your past self with any advice to give to like your future self, what key things would you want yourself to know with what you've experienced and grown through? Um oh god, um I think one of the things i
1: I would would really like to say to my past self is um just keep going don't don't ever give up because there's so many times and a lot of people don't know this where I will stop and I will think what the hell are you doing Mina like Mm -hmm. no one's going to buy into this no one is going to respect the work that you're doing just you know close it off and do something else and I think the older that I've got you know the more that I've gone through I am now at that stage where I'm like actually not everyone might like it but the ones that do get what I'm doing I'm okay with that
0: perfect and thank you for not giving up and thank you for keeping keeping on going because you know if you hadn't have kept on going, we wouldn't have the Hope Cause, we wouldn't have the Digital Art Project, you know, and so many organizations coming together nationally. Um, And some of the research that you've been involved in. So thank you. Um, And I hope that's encouraged anybody that's listening today who is, you know, maybe feeling the way that Mina was feeling in that past self and that it encourages you to also keep going and you know reach out reach out to us reach out to to Mina Um, she's definitely not one who doesn't reply she's so open and friendly um, and very very much wants to help and support so um, reach out and before we go just want you to just share where everyone can find you how can people connect with you um so yeah let us know So if anyone wants to connect with me my website is
1: www.hopetraining.co.uk i'm also on twitter which is at hope training um and my email address is admin at hope training.co.uk
0: there you go guys, you heard it. Um so go connect with Mina. Um she's an incredible woman and I just want to thank you so much for your time and thank you again for all that you do for all of us women um in the DV sector. and um, we really value you and I appreciate your work and we look forward to twenty twenty-one. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so
1: much for having me and Annie right back uh... at you with your work as well. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of this episode of the Destiny Creators podcast series. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening um, and sticking with us to the end of the episode. And I hope that the discussion that myself and Mina have had today have inspired you Um, whether you're somebody who um, has been considering pursuing a career um, in the domestic violence or sexual violence sector that it inspired you to give it a chance Um, as Mina spoke about you know her exploring various different areas of the sector before she found the place that she really wanted to to carve out um, and pursue a career in. Um, reach out to her, she's so open, um, especially um, on Twitter. Um, just DM her and I'm sure she'd be more than open to giving you suggestions on, you know, places to to go and learn or opportunities that might be available and um, for you to to get access to a career pursuing within that industry. Or maybe you're listening and you're already involved in creating a difference, um, whether it be by campaigning or raising awareness, or you're on the front line supporting survivors. I want you to know how grateful we are and how grateful and needed you are in this world. If it wasn't for people like you... um, the world would definitely not be a better place. So I hope that this has encouraged you to keep going. If you're a survivor and like me, you've buried it for many years, um, only just recently broken my silence um, in the last 12 months, or maybe you haven't broken your silence at all. I want you to know that this is your journey and it's okay to take your time and it's also okay for you to ask for help don't be afraid to live your truth and know that there is an army of people right here waiting to support you when you're ready to break your silence until next time may you have the courage to reach out for help if you need it whether you're a practitioner Um, a survivor or, or you're just somebody listening to this podcast and you know you're struggling you know with your mental health in some way don't be afraid to be gentle with yourself and ask for help until next time love and light